mention to you real quick, next Sunday we're beginning a new series. It's called Well With God. We're going to be talking about specific things that you can do. And we're going to minimize it. Specific things that you can do, do in certain areas of your life through this, through this series. We're going to be talking about different areas of your life and specific things that you can do in those areas of your life that God says will bring better to you. How many of you want better? We all want better. And so these are things that you can tangibly do, and we're not going to talk about you know, anything that's just huge and big. We're going to start small. We're going to start with something meaningful that you can do on a daily basis in these areas of your life that, that you can actually find yourself being better. So it's going to be great. Um, relationships, it's going to be better. Your health, it's going to be better. All of the different areas of your life are going to be better. All right? So plan on that. It's going to be an awesome series as we get started next week with that. Today I want to talk with you about God wants to eat with you. He wants to eat with you. When you want to get to know somebody, what's one of the first things you do? Lunch. Let's go out to eat. Coffee. Let's go out to eat. And, and you learn a lot from people. There's something about eating together that brings a relationship together. It brings even a relationship that's already established closer. And if you want to get to know someone better, you invite them out to eat. There's a connection with those as we, there's a connection with people that we get as we eat together. And there's something about Eating together, when a family gets together and they're eating the same meal, especially at the same table, there's something about it that brings unity in their lives for that half an hour. And it's sad that the American family has really gotten away from this in so many respects. Our lives have become so disheveled and, you know, there's just not that that solid connection once a day to sit down for 30 minutes and break bread together and eat together. Humans, y'all are getting hungry, aren't you? Did you, you know, humans, think about this. Humans are the only species on earth that surrounds. <laughs> you like that? We're the only ones that surround ourselves with our food with rituals, with, with traditions, with holidays. Our holidays are all about the food. And, and it, we're the only ones that do that. You don't see squirrels getting down and sitting at a table and they've got, you know, they're, they're eating their nuts together. You just don't see that. Generally, we start eating together and, and we all stay at the same table and we're all there until everyone is finished. That's normally the rules, right? And dinner time is that moment of the day in which everything else must give way to communality. It's that moment of the day when everything else needs to shut down. We need to turn off the TV or turn it down at least if the game is on. We need to mute our, mute our phones, you know, put our phones off to the side. Our phones don't need to be, belong at the table. And, and toys are abandoned for the kids, and they've got to focus, and they've got to, they get to listen to all the stories going on. Work stops, and we eat together. The call to dinner is one of the most important moments of the day, and if your family is missing it, you're missing a lot. If your marriage is missing it, you're missing it a lot. It's confirmation of family life. It's confirmation of the roles that we play in life. We have hunter, we have gatherers, we have providers, we have planners, we have mothers, and we have fathers. And that moment at the table when everybody shows up, 
no matter how important they are, no matter how unimportant they seem to be, that we're all together at the same table. At the table, we reminisce. We tell stories. We talk about what God is doing in our lives. We talk about business. We talk about family. We talk about the things that are going on in each of our days. I love Wednesday nights. I love coming in and I get to, I get to bounce back and forth from students to here. And I get to hear stories. I get to watch and listen as you guys talk to one another and catch up with one another about what's going on in your lives since Sunday or since last Wednesday night. And you get to share with it. And I get to go over and listen to our students talk about what's going on in their lives and the jobs that they've got or the, the school that they go to and the friends that they have and the things going on in their lives. And they, they just catch up with all of these things. And while at the table, you learn so many things about each other. And you learn some things that you really never wanted to know as well. Like how people chew their food. With their mouths open. And there, you know, there's some people that chew it like they're completely oblivious to anybody else being around them. While at the table, you learn a multitude of things. I was on uh, staff at a church. And we had staff meeting around this big, giant staff meeting table. And our youth pastor was this giant, white teeth, smiley, happy-go-lucky guy. And he walked into the meeting one day with an apple in his hand. And I said, oh, God, no. Please don't let it happen. I knew it was going to happen. He set his apple down on the table, and we started the meeting. A few minutes into the meeting, I heard, <laughs> I decided at that moment that I would, it, when I became a pastor, full, you know, a senior pastor, that is, that I would never hire this guy. Never. We would never get along because he ate apples in front of people. You learn a lot about people when you eat together. Eating together says we're in this together as well. Think about that. When we're eating together, we're participating in what it takes to survive another day. Because we're stating we all need food in order to live. We're participating in that. Eating is the most basic part of human existence to stay alive. Every time you sit down to eat, you're humbly declaring together, we're in this together and we have a dependence upon food for us to continue to live. There's humility that's involved with eating together. And when we eat together, it's symbolically connecting ourselves with that need that we're all together in this. And when eating together, we learn also what each other likes and doesn't like. Some people like broccoli. Some, listen, our palates are different. It's very different for each of us. I don't understand why you like some of the things you like to eat. I, I don't get that. My mother likes her steak to be well done. I don't get that. Mine needs to be mooing a little bit. She likes black licorice. Who in the world even came up with the idea of black licorice? It tastes like tar. I don't understand it. How could anybody like black licorice? Where would anybody even like or come up with the idea to make the stuff? It doesn't make sense to me. But we learn what each other likes and doesn't like, and we can laugh about it. We can laugh about it. Eating together also means we have... We have let our guards down. 
When you're eating with somebody, you're letting your guard down. When you sit, there's laughter, there's joy, there's funny stories, there's intimacy, there should be, there that is. There's prayer with gratitude. Father, thank you for the food that you've provided for us here, and we're grateful for it. And at the moment that you go to eat, you lay down your sword to pick up your fork, don't you? To eat, every person that even spews hatred out of their mouths has to shut up to at least chew. So to eat, you have to lay down your shield as well and become vulnerable so that others can speak into your life. And here's what's interesting also. All throughout Scripture, we find God involved with people eating. If you're paying attention as you read, you'll see that eating with people is one of the things that God enjoys, but he can't wait to do as well. You know, it's going to be awesome when we do get to heaven, as we were talking about earlier. God has what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb prepared and, and waiting for us. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Genesis chapter 18, though, God came, comes to Abraham, and Abraham and Sarah make God a meal. Abraham and Sarah, you've got to understand, they had over 300 servants that worked with them. But Abraham personally chose the calf that they were going to slaughter, that they slaughtered, and the scripture says it was tender and good. And Sarah, she needed the bread herself. They had over 300 servants to do all this stuff. But Abraham and Sarah prepared this meal for God, and, and Abraham got to eat this with him. Exodus chapter 18 tells us the story of Moses being reunited with his wife and children. So understand, what happened when they came out of Egypt, Moses went on to lead the Israelites after they crossed the Red Sea, but his wife Zipporah and her children went back to Midian where she was from to be with her family. We don't know what, we don't know why, but she went there, was probably like, well, I'm not an Israelite and I got a home somewhere else. I'm not going to wander in the wilderness like this. But Jethro brought her back. Her dad, her dad uh, Moses' father-in-law, brought her and the children back to Moses. And the scripture records what happened when that happened. Uh, Moses sat down with him and began to share with him, hey, this is what happened when we crossed the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea. It's absolutely astounding. And Jethro, being a, a man of God himself, just was blown away. He was like, wow, this is amazing. And he, Moses was like, look at the rock over there. There's water coming out of this rock. God did that. Mir miracles. God has been providing for us manna every morning. And he's given us these, these quail every night. And Jethro was so impressed. And look what it says Jethro did. It says Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. God showed up for that meal. That's pretty cool, isn't it? In the presence of God, they ate this meal. And, and you can imagine God's like, man, I would love to be able to just pull up a chair and be right next to him right now. It's his character. He wants to be with us. He wants to be with you. Why would he show up for a situation like that unless he wanted to? So they had what was called burnt offerings. And we know that God, when they burnt these offerings, we know that God loved the smell of steak. How many of you love the smell of steak? The smell of fat. Come on, Sam. You know you love it, right? Oh, yeah. Ugh, steak, fat. That's, God loves it. You can just see him up there. Oh, that smells good. 
He loves food. He, he, and there's something more that he loves than food, more than food, though. The fellowship. I used to enjoy going deer hunting with my dad, but I didn't enjoy the deer hunting nearly as much as I enjoyed the moments going back to the truck and sitting there going, man, it was cold this morning. Let's warm up and tell stories. Talk about the deer or turkey or whatever it was. The squirrel was driving me crazy. All the stories. I love that way more than just trying to shoot a deer. And that's God. One day, Jesus came to a village where there was a woman named Martha. And Martha invited Jesus to come over for dinner. And Jesus and the disciples came over to the house. And, you know, with that comes responsibility. She's got to cook a meal. That's a big responsibility. Imagine how excited she was. Jesus is coming. She knew he was God. He's coming to my house. All the disciples are going to be there. This is awesome. So she's got to prepare this meal. And you can imagine all of a sudden the pressure that comes in with that. Her sister Mary also came and she was expecting Mary to come and help her. But Mary did not come and help her. Mary. Everything okay? So, got a thumbs up. So Mary goes in, and Jesus is in the living room, and he's doing what he does best. Jesus is talking, he's communicating, he's teaching, and he's sharing with them, and he's letting everybody talk and share. And you can imagine just the wonderful conversation that was going on. And Mary's in there, and she's like, wow, this is awesome. While Martha's in the kitchen, and you can imagine Martha moment by moment getting angrier and angrier. You can. Mary did this to me this one time. She started remembering. She made me clean the dishes as well. And I cooked that. I don't understand what's wrong with her. But then it began to transpose from Mary over to Jesus. He's God. He should fix this. He knows this is wrong. Why isn't he fixing this? What's wrong with him? Jesus is just sitting there and he's entertaining her like this doesn't matter. And finally, she came to a place where she was so frustrated, so angry. She walks in. You can see her. She walks into the living room and she's just going to explode on Jesus. And she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? What's wrong with you? Tell her to help me. And Jesus just sits there and says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Food's good, but there's really only one thing that's needed here. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. What was he saying? He was saying the time together, the fellowship is what I'm really after. This is what I'm after. And this is what you should be after, too. You see, it isn't the food as much as it is the fellowship that God's after. God loves sitting around and having some table chatter. He loves that. The last night that Jesus was here, what did he do? He broke bread. The Lord's Supper. He had dinner with them. Now, it was a very special dinner. It was the Passover dinner. You remember what that is? And all throughout the Old Testament, God had these feasts, though. And the Passover was one of those, those feasts that celebrated the fact 
that God passed over his judgment. He passed over their homes and kept their homes from being judged. And God wants to pass over your home. God wants to pass over your life from being judged. And he wants to have fellowship with you and he wants to have communion with you. God had these feasts and these festivals, and most of them were all about food all throughout the Old Testament. And the Israelites were celebrating one of those festivals this week. That night, this night with Jesus was one of those special moments in his life. He was thinking about death. He was thinking about betrayal. He knew that one of his friends was going to betray him. And as they sat there at those tables, Jesus was troubled. But he was grateful to be with his disciples and eat with them. So grateful that he instituted something that down to this very day, 2,000 years later, we still do. And we call it communion. And today you've already been served. Would you take this in your hands, peel back the top, and let's dine with him. Everybody get one? Did you get one, Blanca? I think we already served it. Let's get Blanca one real quick. Here. See, this is, this is like uh, real dinner, isn't it? This is like real meal. And you know this kind of stuff was happening the night that Jesus was betrayed. They're like, hey, Jesus. I didn't get a piece. And I can't get my uh, bread out. <laughs> Anybody else having a problem with that? Matt? Can you get him another one, John? See, this is real, yeah. Finally, I just got this one. See, this is real. I mean, this is, this is what we're talking about. It's just real. And this is what Jesus came, and this is what he did, and this is the kind of atmosphere that it was like with him. He's like, Martha, Martha, settle down, chill out. There's really only one thing that is needed here, that we love each other and we talk to one another. We have a relationship. And that's what's necessary. And he took bread and he broke it. Look what the scripture says. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it. This is my body. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for communion. Thank you for fellowship. Thank you that you want to talk to us and have this relationship with us. And we thank you for your body, which was broken for us. We remember what you did 2000 years ago. And we partake together today because we believe in what you've done for us. In Jesus name, would you eat together? Thank you. Then he took the cup, if you would peel back the lid on your cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. 
This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Jesus, thank you for the blood. Again, we remember what you did for us and your blood that was spilled for the forgiveness of all of our sin. We are so grateful. Thank you so much. And God, we remember that you promised us that you'd be coming back. And in doing this, we declare that today. We know that you're alive. We know that you're well. And we know that, God, you want to have this relationship with us. And so we commune with you today. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did for us. In Jesus' name, would you drink together? See, the point is this. He wants this kind of fellowship with you. And in just a little while, we're going to be out eating together, fellowshipping. And don't you know that we'll be doing it in God's presence? He's going to be there. He's going to show up. Why? Because he loves to eat with his people. He loves to be with his people. God wants to sit and talk with you personally. It's beyond just being with a group. He wants to be with you personally throughout the week. And he wants to eat with you along the way. And it's different, obviously, than sitting down at a normal table with somebody for us at this point. But God wants to have that daily communion with you, so to speak, as, as, as it would be in a, at a table. The problem is, all too often, though, when you show up to eat, you're starving And when you come to church on Sundays, oftentimes you're starving when you walk in here and you're not able to focus on what it actually is that's being served to you. You're just looking for something that you can eat to have some sort of spiritual sustenance so that you can just try to survive another day. And God is saying, no, I don't want you to be starving. I want you to spend time with me all week long. Every day, spend time with me, talking with me, so that when you do sit down at the table, you're not like a 12-year-old boy just going. (laughs) So that you're able to actually have a relationship and good communication with me. You see, God wants you to eat enough (coughs) along the way that when you sit down with him, you're able to dine with him. Hear what he's got to say and say something without a full mouth because you're trying to stuff yourself. God wants you to be so content and calm that even if you're surrounded by all of your enemies, even if you're surrounded by all of your problems, all of your bills, all of it is that that you're dealing with in your life, no matter what you're dealing with, that God says you're able to focus in on him, that you're calm, cool and collected, sitting at the table with him, having a meal. If it's waking up in the morning that you don't wake up in the morning in a frenzy, that you come to the table and you say, God, thank you for your sustenance today and have communion with him. At night, the same thing, that you're able to have a good talking, working relationship with him. When we kneel and pray that it's not just begging him, God, please take care of this. God, please fix this. God, please deal with this. God, please help me to pay this bill. God, please help my children. God, help me to save my marriage. That God's, God's able to just sit there and talk with you. 
How much better would it be for you to be sitting at the table and say, Father, thank you so much that I know my marriage has problems, but I know that you're taking care of it and you're helping me out. And I ask you for wisdom. What do you want to share with me about that today? Instead of please, 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 please. How much better is it to say, God, thank you so much that you've, got a provi- you've, you've provided for that bill to be paid for me. I trust you and believe you for it. So I leave it in your hands of care and I thank you that we can sit and we can dine this morning. We can have breakfast together. God wants you to be at a place when you come and sit down at the table with him that you can relax and enjoy that presence. James David, would you come? Psalm chapter 23 gives us this picture. It's the picture of everything that we're talking about. The Lord is my shepherd. Say that with me. The Lord is my shepherd. See how personal that is? What does a shepherd do? A shepherd doesn't walk out and beat the sheep and yell and scream at them. What are you doing? He had a proper perspective of what the shepherd looked like and what the shepherd did. And that's what he called Jesus. That's what he called God. And look what he says. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Do you think he probably lacked something at that point? Yeah. But from this perspective, when the Lord is his shepherd, he's like, I lack nothing. Everything's taken care of. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. What is he talking about here? He's talking about somebody walking with him, somebody laying down, hanging out, looking up at the sky with him. Someone relaxing with him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. At some point, he was probably walking across a beautiful green pasture and God just said, would you lay down and enjoy yourself for just a minute and look up at the sky? Listen to what's going on around you. Listen to all of the grasshoppers. Listen to cicadas, whatever it is. You just stop. Just stop and lay down, David. And enjoy this moment, O King. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What is He saying? He's saying all Hades could be breaking loose in my life Everything could be happening in my life that is just horrible and difficult. But you, you take care of me and I will not fear. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God prepares a table before him in the presence of his enemies. What is he saying? A place to come and sit and dine with God. Have that relationship moment to communicate, to fellowship, and to have something to eat together. You see, your enemies, the cool thing is, he he didn't say his enemies were welcome at the table. He said, I'm not going to be afraid of them. They're there, maybe. They're there. Their presence might be there, but they're not sitting at the table with me. Sickness and disease may be present, but they're not at this table. This is between me and God. 
This is our relationship that God has established here. And sickness and disease is not welcome at the table. Isn't that beautiful? Those who hate you, those who used you and abused you, they might see this happening in your life, but their, their presence may be there, but they're not welcome at the table. This is just between you and God, and this is a table that God has prepared for you to sit down and have communion with Him and talk with Him. That husband or that wife that is angry with you and frustrated with you and doesn't treat you right, listen, they're not welcome at the table as close as they are in your life. They're not welcome at this table. They're, you and God are only welcome at this table. It's It's just the two of you. Your bills house payment, rent, car payment, none of those things are welcome at this table. It's just you and God. Those who put you down, those who try to keep you down, those who put you in your place and try to keep you in your place, they're not welcome at this table. Those who accuse you, they're not welcome at this table. He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The ungodly, they're not welcome at this table. It's just you and God. None of these are invited to the table, but you have a seat with Jesus. You have a seat. If you haven't been spending time at this table, no wonder you're struggling with depression. No wonder you're afraid. No wonder you're struggling in your relationships. No wonder you forgot he conquered death and hell. No wonder you're fighting for survival. No wonder you've forgotten how good he is. He's good. Until you sit down and dine with him and have something to eat with him, you don't realize how good he is, how pleasant he is. And if he pulls out an apple, it's not going to be because he's eating one alone, because you've got one to eat too, and it doesn't bother you. He's a pleasing and good and loving God, cares about you. When you're you're at the table with Jesus, nothing else matters. Have you sat at that table recently? Have you sat down and just sensed, I'm with God? Listen, there's that moment when Jesus was in the boat and he was down in the bottom of the boat. And the scripture says that he had his his head on a pillow while the disciples were upstairs on on the bow of the boat and they were throwing stuff overboard trying to save their lives because a huge storm had come. And Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. And they go running down to the bottom of the boat and they finally just wake him up like Martha did. And they're like, Jesus, don't you care that we die? And Jesus just... Hey guys. And he walks up and he says, Peace be still. And the wind and the waves obey him. 
suddenly everything was calm. And he turns to the disciples and he's like, seriously, guys, you had a free ride. All you had to do was enjoy it. What's he saying? You had God in the bottom of the boat. And if I wasn't concerned enough, then you shouldn't have been. And when you sit at the table with Jesus, that's the spirit that he imparts into you. And what you're frenzied about, like Martha, oh, what's happening? Jesus says, come and be merry today. Be with me. Dine with me. Open my word. Hear what I have to say to you. Let me talk to you. Everything is going to work out. But God, what's going on in Israel today? It's all right. You don't think he knows about that? But God, what's happening in our schools? God, what's happening in our government? God, what's happening with the elections? God, what's happening with our football team? Whatever it is that you're upset about. God says, chill. I love the song by Russ Taff, and I'm going to conclude with this. If you've never heard it before, I would encourage you to listen to it. It's beautiful. There's a table in the wilderness, is the song. He says, there's a table in the wilderness where the blind can see and the poor possess. Where the blind can see. Come on, visualize it with me. When you sit down at the table... If you're blind, you can see because you're with Jesus. The poor possess. The poor realize I may not have anything on this earth, but I've got all things. I'm an owner of the kingdom, God says. I possess. Where the weak are strong. When you sit at that table, you're strong no matter how weak you might think you are. And the first one's last. There's a table in the wilderness where the blessed sing of his tenderness, where the lame can walk and the weary rest at the table in the wilderness. When you search so hard for the promised land, but the earth won't yield to your blistered hands, and you hang your head, and you wipe your brow, and you shout out, you shout it out, there's a table in the wilderness where the blind can see and the poor possess, where the weak are strong and the first ones last. There's a table in the wilderness. When you close your eyes, kneeling by your bed, all the working hours spinning through your head, you remember the place that your heart desires, where you found your life, you found life at the table in the wilderness, where the blind can see and the poor possess, where the weak are strong and the first ones last. There's a table in the wilderness. God wants to eat with you. He wants to eat with you. Would you bow your heads? The invitation that he has for you today is that you would give him more time this week. That you would start something new in your life. 
that doesn't just last a week, but you would start something new in your life that lasts for the rest of your life, and that is to sit down at the table that he's prepared for you. A place for you to have hope and peace. A place of solitude. You know, when you come into this sanctuary every Sunday morning, I try to remind you that we leave our problems outside. What am I talking about? I'm talking about you're coming to the table that God has prepared for you that nothing else matters. Kingdom work. Some of you need to do this so badly to spend time with Him throughout the week so that you don't come into church every Sunday just starving, but instead you're coming in already full and ready to give. You're ready to serve. You're ready to do something for someone else because God has filled you up all week long at His table. Peace. Hope. God, we dine at your table right now. I just sense that everybody here has just pulled up to the table. And as we visualize, you're seated right across from us. May we commit ourselves to doing this all throughout the week, communing with you, dining with you. And I pray, Father, that as we're doing this, as there are some here that struggle with depression, that God, as they sit at the table with you, that they would be healed and strengthened, encouraged, and see things from a different perspective. That, Father, where sickness and disease is, it's all left behind as we pull up to the table. Where those who have hurt us or would hurt us can look on and see that there's nothing they can say or shake us to shake us or take away our joy and peace because we've got this great relationship with you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. love you, God. Help me to love you more this week. In Jesus' name.